0: And welcome to the Celtics Lab podcast. I'm Justin Quinn alongside Topher Lane. And after a tough loss, uh, not just, you know, for the Boston Celtics, but watching our defeater, the Miami Heat, lose uh, in the NBA Finals after the Celtics lost in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Celtics look ahead to a very strange offseason, and so do we here at Celtics Lab. This episode, we will do a quick recap on the ECF, look forward to the season, offseason plans, and talk about former Celtics. Very informal podcast. Tofer, how you doing?
1: Very, very casual is the goal with this one.
0: <laughs> we just it's don't just have anything, anything in the tank, man. Just like the Heat didn't have anything in the tank, just like we, the Celtics, you know, because we're on the Celtics, didn't have anything on the tank in the tank uh, <laughs> in the Eastern Conference Finals. We are feeling tapped. Out.
1: yes. Yes. And I, I'm sure that a lot of a lot of fans would agree with that uh, across across the board. I mean, the bubble was wonderful experience, but I think it was draining for everybody, especially the players, obviously. But just in, in general, it was, it was a long, long, long ride. It was a fun ride. And the NBA did it very successfully. But, it, you know, it's it's nice that it's over, I think, in a lot of ways.
0: It is. But now we have this big ambiguous thing to deal with in terms of the off season. No one really wants to talk about the fact that we basically need to collectively bargain a new agreement to move forward. But I'm getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, Before we dive into that craziness, let's talk about was this a missed opportunity for the Celtics-Topher? Should we, should we have advanced? I mean, was there a way that this group of, of players, of prospects, of coaching staff, was it actually ever able to advance past this
1: Miami Heat team? And if not, what do we got to do? I think this was the most wide open that it's going to be for a long time. Uh, Giannis was out of the way. The courtesy of the heat, you know, you don't have really any other superpowers in the East that you're really worried about. We, we handled Toronto, Miami was the next best thing. And I wouldn't say that they were better than the Celtics. They just got really pretty lucky in a lot of situations that to kind of force them through into the actual finals. And then, you know, you look at LA and yes, they won it all, but they have some glaring holes and you saw that in their losses and uh, whether or not the Celtics could have exposed those, is tough considering how poorly we did against the zone during stretches, how quickly our offense went quiet during stretches and stuff like that. So it's hard to say if we would have been able to pull it off, had we been able to get past, you know, the heat, but you know, this feels like it was a missed opportunity in the sense that it was the most wide open that it would have been in probably the next three or four years. So speaking of the
0: next couple of years, like, did we really screw up here? I mean, should Danny Ainge have have done something aggressive at the trade deadline? I mean, Miami is going to be bringing back basically everybody. I mean, sure some of some mm-hmm. of the key key players, uh, Andre Iguodala for example, are going to be even older. Uh but I mean, in the role that he had, he seemed like it, that's not going to matter too too much. Um you know, you never know how kind of like the the play tectonics are going to shift in terms of what the league is going to look like in the East and the West and in general. Um, Presumably not too much considering that the the cap situation is going to be really constricted. uh, And it doesn't seem like people are too keen on giving up draft picks uh, that have suddenly become like gold, even in this not so exciting draft, but we'll touch on that in a little bit. Um, What's Miami going to look like next season? I mean – Is there a person that they can find to use their cap space for one season without screwing up their uh, probably the biggest open secret in the entire NBA that they're going to try to chase along with everyone else, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, once he is available?
1: Well, I think I'll I'll take that question in parts. The first one, as far as if Ainge messed up by not doing anything to the deadline, I think that the the blueprint was there, and – You know, like in the way that then Miami got contributions from Tyler Hero and sophomore Duncan Robinson, like if Romeo had been able to step up or if Carson Edwards or, you know, any of our rookies outside of of, uh, Williams, I I think that, you know, it it would have been a completely different story had we had that knockdown shooter that emerged like Tyler Hero did in the Eastern Conference Finals and well throughout the playoffs for Miami, really. So the blueprint was there for the Celtics. It just didn't pan out nearly as well as it did for Miami. And you saw that when Tyler Hero went cold in the finals, the Heat went cold. And they couldn't, like, they needed him to be a huge part of their offense, which, like, relying on a, on a rookie is its own thing. When it works out, it's awesome. You know, it worked out in, in terms of the Celtics uh, when Jason Tatum was a rookie in his first year and then we made it to Eastern Conference Finals and exceeded all expectations. I think the Heat did the same thing. The question is, are they going to try and, you know, over on this roster and buy somebody long-term and maybe condemn themselves into a future of mediocrity. And that's, that's something I think that they could do because they made it to the finals and they, they scape, they scraped their way through. And again, maybe the one of the most wide open playoff structures that there's been in a long time and that there will be, maybe they're going to buy somebody that they shouldn't and give up the flexibility that they've been really working towards. I don't think they're going to take themselves out of the honest running. I don't think to. we were talking before. I don't think so either, but it's a, it's a possibility.
0: Yeah, we were talking about uh, Gallinary, Donald, 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 um, who is reportedly <laughs> talking about, shut up, <laughs> I have a migraine, um, Gallinary is talking about not caring as much about how much he makes, I'm not sure if it's long term, I'm not sure if it's just in his next contract, I'm not sure if it's for one year, I'm not sure, but I can tell you one thing. He is not going to take a mid-level exception to come to Boston. It's not happening. It's not, guys. I want him to, but he's just going to get more money from almost anyone and probably several contenders who can at least give me full, not taxpayer MLA. So who might they be looking at? I mean, that's the only person I can think of other than one other person who kind of has to do with things we won't dive into too much today. Day, but I think you know where I'm going with this.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's really questionable where any team could go right now. Like, there's so much, it's, and as you kind of said, it's, it's a really strange, ambiguous offseason. <laughs> like, it's really hard to say what anybody's going to do. We don't even know the dates of most of, like, the, you know, July 1st used to be the, the day that everyone looked forward to, then June 30th. And like, I don't even know when the free agency is starting. That's second. the thing. No we one do. does. It doesn't you exist. Know, it's, it's really strange. Yeah. It's a strange – like, it's weird. Like, I don't know when anything's going to happen. I know the draft is the 18th, I want to say, and that's – November that's 18th. Like it is still November away. 18th this yeah. week.
0: It has changed several times already. Yes. October 15th, October 18th, <laughs> November 18th. Now that's where we're at. But let's let's, let's touch on those, um, those dates. So what you were alluding to for, for the, you know, non-NBA junkies in our audience – refers to the guarantee date. So we don't know. Uh, Just to to back up even more, I was hinting at uh, Gordon Hayward being someone they might be interested in in Miami. I don't think that's the person they're going to focus on. And if they did, I don't think they would convince Hayward to leave after the treatment he has gotten from the organization ever since he hurt himself. They have completely stood behind him. But other people have pointed out no one really pictured Jimmy Butler being in Miami, you know, a year before he ended up there either. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, but even before that, we he can't even make up his mind because he doesn't know when the offseason in terms of free agency is going to start. The The word that we're hearing now, Jared Weiss and Jay King uh, put out a piece on The Athletic talking about the future of who is going to stay and who is going to go recently on the Celtics and one of the things that they mention, almost in passing, uh, is just that we don't know when, when these, these events are going to happen, but they're probably going to come after the draft, probably in December, um, with the season slated to start sometime, uh, probably in either very late December, around Christmas, but more likely in January, according to Adam Silver. Um, we really don't know when any of this stuff is going to happen. So it's very hard to say. But one thing that we can talk about in terms of uh, the team building stuff are some of the people that Boston could be looking at in terms of mid-level exception candidates. We can talk about the Lakers more in a second. While we're on the topic... $5.7 Five point seven million dollars. That's a taxpayer mid-level exception. What do we think realistically, assuming, which you know, this is a big if in itself, we can clear roster space to actually sign someone with all of our, uh, mm-hmm. you know, roster spots as is currently spoken for, based on potential people returning, um, maybe, uh, as well as draft picks, four of them potentially uh, in the first and second round this this twenty twenty draft. Whenever that happens. Um so we've got some thinking to do. If that does open up, who sparks
1: your interest, Topher, and why? I think that the the clickbait, the clickbait headline is Isaiah Thomas return to Boston as like a scorer off the bench. But like all the news that we're hearing about IT and the fact that he feels like he's he's back after he'd had some, you know like surface of the moon looking hip surgery. Uh, you know, I think that that's, that's something that a lot of Celtics fans would be interested in. The question is, is would that be worth tossing that money towards I mean, We've seen him play, you know, his scoring is effective, but you know, with Washington, even though he was playing on basically one leg, you know, he was putting up 12 and a half a game, I think, but their defense was the worst defense in the NBA while he was on the court it was incredible how bad their defense was and they were already bad to begin with. So like it was, you know, it's not like they were a good defense. that he was bringing them down. It was like, they were already near the bottom third of the league, I think. And he made them much worse. So that's, I think the big kind of the major headline that everyone, I don't think that is, is that matters as so much Thomas though. To Boston.
0: I don't think that matters as much because he will be a second unit option. If he does return, there's just not going to be time for him to be more than that. The people he's going to be playing with on that second unit will probably have good defensive chops, excellent defensive chops. I mean, he'll probably be playing alongside, you know, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, Marcus Smart probably pretty often. So, I mean, he'll be hideable. But the thing is, mm-hmm. is, is he really going to have it in the tank? We heard he had it in the tank last time he came back from a surgery. And I, yeah, I want this. Exactly, yeah. I want this. I would love to see him be reunited. We win a banner. We're back in the lead of titles or whatever.
1: (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. blah. (laughs) Exactly.
0: You know, it's just these are narratives people and they're not realities and teams have to make decisions based on realities and whatever his agent tells us is what he wants us to hear because he wants a paycheck and he wants a chance and that's good. He's earned it. He deserves it but he needs to produce to actually get that opportunity. So it's possible, but I agree with you completely. I, it's just something we probably need to put out of our minds. And if it's there and it surprises us, then yay, great, awesome. But who's something in your mind that's a little bit less of a narrative-driven candidate?
1: Yeah, I put down a couple names that I like. I don't know if they'd settle for the 5.7 million, but I, I like Serge Ibaka. And I was talking about that in the Raptors series mm-hmm. um, of how I'd love to get him somehow on like the mid-level or whatever we can afford, that minimum or something. Um and Surge would be awesome. I think I put down Tristan Thompson also, who again, I mean, I don't know if either of these guys would take that money because it's so little and there's more money out there. But say that like, you know, if they feel like they want to be like the Danilo Gallinari kind of situation, they want they don't care about money, they just want to go to a contender, they could make this team really legit from the front court perspective.
0: I agree. I agree. But there's one thing that's missing with both of them that is available in another candidate. And I know you already know where I'm going with this because there is a connection. And in the case of Tristan Thompson, there is a connection, but not with the Celtics, but with LeBron James. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, if, if I could have my choice personally between Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee and Tristan Thompson... I know who I'm picking, and yeah. you know there's a there's a long relationship between those guys. So I expect Tristan Thompson to go out west. Um, mm-hmm. Ibaka, I, I you know I could see it, but I, I think that he'll get more money than we can pay him. I think somebody will give him more money than we can pay him. Um, maybe not. It's possible, and like you said, maybe he'll agree with that. But Aaron Baines, something yep. he's been getting a lot of. A lot of press Um, when I spoke to him when he came down for the Mexico City games this season, yet in December. (laughs) (laughs) Almost um, a year ago. Yeah, this is so weird. Anyways, um, when he came down here, um, when we were first speaking, he was very polite. but He didn't seem like he could care less who the hell I was or why I wanted to speak to him until it was clear I was there to talk to him about the Celtics. Once I was talking to him about the Celtics, his eyes lit up. He was very animated. He was very engaged. He was very happy. And he actually had to get pulled away from me by the, the the Phoenix suns uh, coaching staff because we were taking too long. So he still cares about (laughs) (laughs) the Celtics. He really does. And it would not all surprise me if he wants to come back. I don't know if it's going to be worth, you know, what he could get on the open market. I think he's actually going to be one of the better, uh, free agents with the shooting he he revealed. I mean, he like almost quadrupled the amount of threes he was shooting with. He was shooting yeah. one a game. Now he's shooting like six attempts a game, I think. Um, so he may not be on the table either. I've seen some people talk about um, like Harry Giles as, you know, both a cheap option and a friend of Jason Tatum. It never hurts to make you know, your extension eligible uh, franchise cornerstone happy <laughs> ahead of that potential extension. Um, I don't know if you would do very much in terms of changing how we operate as a team. Um, Mm -hmm. what about apart from, from the backcourt or from the frontcourt? I mean,
1: uh, we need shooters. That's, that's obviously kind of glaring miss. And that's, I think what you were alluding to in the beginning Mm -hmm. when you said, did Ainge miss an opportunity at the deadline? And kind of what I was talking about with Tyler Hero being, you know, a huge part of Miami's offense, a shooter would be massive. Um. I think I put down Bryn Forbes as uh probably my top choice as far as somebody we could chase. Thirty eight percent. Probably not
0: mid-level. too bad. Yep, you could probably fit in that. I don't I don't think that would be a problem. Uh, I've heard Ellington floated as another opportunity out there yeah, for, for Boston. But he's kind of older and he hasn't been shooting as well. Uh so I, I think I would, you know, definitely look to to Bryn Forbes ahead of that. Um, I've also seen um, options to replace Brad Wanamaker, who's most likely gone as well. The okay. Napier, I think, is a quality name out there who could be head for the mid-level. It would be more than he's ever earned, believe it or not. And if you look at his numbers based on what he produces, um, that's actually kind of surprising. I mean, he's not like a starting point guard just because of his size, but I think, um, you know, that's because I'm a UConn guy, but
1: because he can – Yeah, I, know. I was going to say, you and your UConn guys. <laughs> but I mean, if you think about
0: it, he's a really good – he's a good fit. He can. He's a microwave-type yeah. player. He doesn't need to warm up, which is a big problem that we had. Like most of the people we did have who could shoot are seriously – like they need time, they need rhythm to be able to, to perform. And I, I don't necessarily think there's – there's not too many other – you know, I've seen Tyler Johnson as an option out there uh, as a backup uh, for general. Anyone else come to mind that you can pick up?
1: No, I and like I said, it's it's strange. I don't know who's particularly on the market, and there's not any big name free agent guys outside of that that big dude in uh, LA, Anthony Davis, uh, is, as he's called. Yeah, whoever whoever he is, but that's obviously not an option. So there's the, the market is just it's strange, and I think it's going to kind of shake loose as we get closer to the draft. Uh, there's going to be, again, a lot, whatever that may be
0: a lot of people I think who are going to be doing some really good bargain deals for one year mm-hmm. because there's only like five or six teams with any kind of appreciable amount of cap space. And there's probably at least a dozen potential candidates who should be making more than even the full MLE. So mm-hmm. there's there's going to be some bargain one year deals going out there. So there might be some other people that we're not talking about that may end up surprising everybody. Um, I've seen all kinds of crazy stuff like like Paul Millsap out there being available at mid-level exception. You know, and then maybe that's possible, but maybe he'll fall off a cliff. I have no idea. Um, but, but backtracking a little bit to uh, a previous chunk of this conversation, we were talking about titles.
1: Mm.
0: There has been a big debate over whether or not
1: Yeah, this is the conversation on Celtics Twitter this week I just can't deal with it I'm so over <laughs> it It's so stupid Who cares Does um, do, do the Los Angeles Lakers have 17 titles? To you They do they win. Well, no <laughs> The Lakers do But I mean The
0: Celtics have 17 titles Because the mm. team that is in Boston now is the Celtics And the team that was there in 1957 When they won the first title Is also the franchise called the Celtics now the team that won uh, in the, the the record that we count as the Celtics in the 1977-1978 season is the Los Angeles Clippers. That is not mm-hmm. debatable. Yeah, the team, the franchise that played that season traded most of its. Players to the Buffalo Bills, which then became the Boston Celtics in 1978's offseason. Are we going to freak out and start saying that the Boston Celtics have four titles because they've only won the one since Larry Bird got here? That is dumb. And that is exactly the kind of argument that we open ourselves up to when we participate in these Minneapolis doesn't count, blah, 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 blah. Like if you want to say that the Los Angeles Lakers only have 12 titles. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But the Lakers, which they are still the same damn organization, the NBA believes they have 17 titles. They believe they have 17 titles. They have 17 titles. We can get into this stupidity and waste our time arguing arguments that only the people who already agree with you are ever going to agree with you and vice versa. I don't care. I think it's dumb.
1: I... I'm kind of with you. I don't mind. And I like the li- the rivalry. I- I'm annoyed if they suddenly are back at 12 or, yeah, 12 now, because five of them were in Minneapolis. But the one that I do take issue with is everyone saying Rajan Rondo is the first player to win both with the Lakers and the Celtics. Oh. But a player, Clyde Lovellette, I want to say. Yep. That is him. One with the Lakers back in 1954 Granted, they were in Minneapolis, so that's its own thing. But if you're going to take 17, then he was the first player to win with both the Celtics and Bill Russell's, or well, Bill, Bill Russell's Celtics in 63 and 64. That is correct. Absolutely. I'm really proud of myself. I'm exhausted and I remember years. And then the Lakers in 54. Yeah, so no,
0: that's a totally fair argument. Um, I- that's where
1: I take issue. If Rondo is the first player to do it, then they only have 12. That's you yep. can't have it both ways. That's please. the standard. Yeah, absolutely no. true. So I'm cool with I'm cool with 17 as long as Rondo is not the first to do it. I love Rondo. We're gonna get into him later, but not not quite convinced that they have 17. If you're gonna say he's the first,
0: yeah, Nope. with you 100. percent So about these confusing these confusing uh, times, we don't know for sure that the draft is going to be November 18th. Uh, we do know that the guarantee dates are going to be pushed back until December-ish. Uh, but in terms of the draft, anyone off the top of your head that you want us to be keeping an eye on? There's there's three basic scenarios here that I think could happen. Um, an aggressive trade-up where we use all three. An aggressive trade-up where we use, all, where we use two and keep one. Um, and... We pick all three because we have somehow worked magic uh, making rosters yeah. some other way. Now,
1: I mean, my expectation is that we're going to trade them. Like, I, I don't think that we're trying to take, especially all three picks this draft. Um, I, I would be surprised if that's the move. I think that we're going to either trade, you know, two of them for a pick next year, or two years from now or something, the way that Ainge typically does. Yep. And then take somebody. You know, I don't know if we trade up necessarily, or if we take somebody at our fourteen, or what the move is. But there's, there's so many ways you could trade up. You could trade out. You could yeah
0: combine. You could draft and stash. I mean, really, it's not really that bad of an idea to draft and stash twenty six and thirty if you have to make both of them. Like, say somebody like the I think he's Ukrainian, maybe no, he's Croatian. Yeah, it's Croatian. Uh, Alexei Pokushevsky, if I'm saying his name. Wrong, please forgive me. Um, I've seen him everywhere from like middle of the lottery all the way back to the edge of the first round. Um, if for some reason he did fall to 26, I would be very excited to draft and stash him and feed him lots. He weighs like 180 pounds and he's seven feet tall, which is <laughs> too skinny. Um yeah. For me, though, my ideal situation is I would be happy with either of these outcomes, but trading up to the um, five, six, seven range, Detroit Pistons, New York Knicks, somewhere in that general range, Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I have seen writers for all of these pub, uh, all of these franchises uh, talk about. Um, being interested in moving back because the draft is considered to be so equally talented um, from basically the late lottery on into the second round. You can probably find some good values there with, with some good uh, scouting. So I think that the, the the situation is really better than it's maybe been in, maybe in my entire adult lifetime uh, for, for these kinds of trades to happen both forwards and backwards. It's, it's just, it's a flat draft uh, with the, the cap situation being what it is, people are going to need to to make deals to make room on rosters. Boston being one of them, most likely, I think it's going to be really chaotic. And you know, we're going to put together a comprehensive draft preview uh, in the next couple of weeks, just to get us you know really dialed in on what's out there. Um, but expect chaos. I think it's going to be really, it's, I think it's going to be as or more, probably even more exciting than free agency this year, just because, you know, a lot of people are saying there's going to be lots of trades happening. I'm, I'm not so sure. I think a lot of people are just going to like dance with the team that they're on and see what happens while the cap situation fixes it. Because who who wants to lock themselves into a multi-year contract when you have no idea if you're going to be making tons more money next year, or if you just, you know, really limited it at your earning power.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's fair. I, um, I could see one trade making the dominoes fall. What's that? And suddenly everybody starts moving. Um, you know, cause if like Miami makes a big trade for somebody or something, or like a Toronto or somebody like makes a move, I could see the rest of the East starting to do something or like maybe, I don't know, Phoenix decides to go and make some crazy move to try and become competitive after an awesome bubble performance. Then I could see the West being like, oh, man, we're going to have to do something. We're going to have to put something. like I could see like dominoes falling and everybody starts trading.
0: Bottom line, I don't think anyone is going to be able to predict too much about this offseason. But one thing that we can predict or rather take stock of is is the grass greener. Where former Celtics, we just had to watch either miss on winning a ring, win a ring, or not even be in the conversation.
1: Yeah. So let's start <laughs> yeah. with one. Or we those put, those them, put them outside of the bubble. Yeah. We no, popped no. their bubble in some situations. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So bringing back the segment is the
0: grass greener, where we take stock of whether or not, through whatever means we decide is the right way to do it, uh, whether or not a particular Celtic would be happy where they are now,
1: or where they ended up. We'll start with Al Horford. Did not work. He's absolutely way worse off. I mean, yeah, he's being paid more money than we would have been able to afford to give him, but there's there's no shot. He's already in, like, very serious trade rumors, which don't really have any traction, but, like, he's He's mired on the bench. I think is like best case scenario for him. As long as Embiid is there. Well,
0: that's the thing. Doc Rivers is now the coach. You can, he can almost be an honorary Mm -hmm. member of this as well. Uh, Mm. (laughs) I think it's pretty clear that the grass is not greener for, for our friend, Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers uh, left to avoid a rebuild, missed one season of being out of the playoffs and has, since seeing the team he left visit the Eastern Conference Finals three times in the four seasons, five seasons, five seasons, he's been gone now. Um, so I, w- I would say it's pretty fair that the grass is not greener
1: for Doc Rivers. But what about Terry Rozier? Yeah, I mean, he's got the opportunity in Charlotte, but, you know, he gets to do what he wants to do. Like, I don't think he would have been. He wouldn't have gotten what he wanted in Boston, which was to really start and get a lot of the ball and get a lot of touches. So I think it is, but obviously he's not winning, but maybe Charlotte has a shot sometime in the future. I don't know. They got that rookie over there. um, who was really nice. I can't remember his name, but he was, he had a really good year. PGA Washington. He was a lot of fun to watch. Now who has, um, Oh, you're
0: thinking about the guy who is not a rookie. Devonte Grant. Yeah, it's like
1: a sophomore year and he's yes. and, yeah, Devontae Grant. Don't don't so feel
0: bad, guy. don't feel bad in the middle of the season. That I was like this guy should be rookie of the year and then I realized, oh my god, he's not a
1: rookie. Yeah, no. I, I think <laughs> everyone thought that cuz he came out of nowhere. Yes. it was dumb. but so like that that's a fun. It's like a fun backcourt if Terry can kind of return to like Eastern Conference Final. Well, like really, eighteen playoffs. You know, just he in like He was so dominant that playoffs. He was, he was yeah. You no, know, so, not
0: not really worth the money that they paid him yet. But he had a he had a decent. Yeah. not far below what they paid him in terms of value.
1: Yeah. So I think in his in his case, he's getting what he wanted, and yeah, he's not winning. But you know, he's I think he's happy. I think he kind of knew that that was going to happen. I so. I so.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think for for at least him, the grass really was well greener. What about yeah. coaches? Do not matter, Kyrie yeah. Irving. Uh, you put this in the middle.
1: This is like <laughs> this is the end of the segment, con.
0: <laughs> I, I put that. it in the middle because we, the... we need to wipe it before we finish this episode, just so we don't have to finish. Anyway, I'm just I'm just gonna stop before. I go.
1: What is this like? This is like such a strange curve. It's like a roller coaster of emotions yeah. for each guy. Yeah, <laughs> Kyrie. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it was turbulent year. In, in Brooklyn for Kyrie Irving, so I I don't know. I, I really I th- I feel like we're gonna have to reevaluate that once we get like ten games into the the nineteen twenty sure. or the just twenty. I mean, he seems happier. Kyrie, that's gonna look like... He can do what he wants. He has ah uh, and well, yeah, he but he has... was also happy the first year he was with Boston. That's true. Good point. He was making all those commercials when he was like, "I want my my number up there in the in the rafters." Like, if, was, if you'll have same me, same thing.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. All yeah. right. Final. And so we not believe that. <laughs> determined. Kelly Olenek. Mm. Uh, he's, I think he's getting about the same run as as he did in Boston. You know, he wasn't going to be like a starter for us. Primary um, backup. Yep. You know, he got, got some really good minutes for Miami. He got some really good opportunities in Miami. You know, he made it to the finals. He's playing pretty well. He's making the money. You know, oh. so I think I think it's I think he's in a good situation. And that was that was one where I think. Most Celtics fans were like pretty happy. I don't think anybody was like excited that he left. I mean, I I don't think anybody particularly wanted him to stay necessarily, but I don't think anybody. I think it, people were enjoying Kelly Olynyk and were happy to see him get a good opportunity. It was a win-win Andy. exit.
0: One of the one of the rare yeah. win-win exits.
1: Mm-hmm. Jay Crowder, uh, outside of getting slapped in the face by Anthony Davis. Um, I think he's he's back to what he was doing in Boston. Um, and I, I loved Jay so much. I was a big fan of him at Marquette when he was in college. Um, I thought he was the headliner in that rondo deal with the Mavs, and I was right, which I was hyped about. Yeah. Um, but he he uh, he's finally getting back to that form that he didn't really get in Cleveland. And he, he kind of had it in, in Memphis for a bit, but didn't really get, you know, there was a lot of a lot of stuff going on in that team. And he really got to really play his his role, especially. And I saw it this this off season, or this postseason. Um, He's a really
0: good system but player, think, but you take him out of it, and he doesn't know what to do with himself, and he doesn't like yeah. it, and he sucks. So I mean, it's not like yeah. I think I think game. having a
1: really good coach, having a good coach is good for him, because his coach Buzz Williams at Marquette, excellent coach, one of those Big East guys, and he was uh, he was great for him. Part of why he got drafted as highly as he did. Yeah, I think I think he fits well. It hurts me to see him in Miami, but you know, he fits there well. I think it's a good situation. Obviously he didn't leave for Miami, unlike Kelly. Um and Jay kind of was a, a journeyman to get back to a situation that he fits in. But you know, I'm I'm happy that he's that he's doing well.
0: We arrive
1: at the end. <laughs> Rajan Rondo. Yes, the Celt- the second person to win with the Celtics and the Lakers.
0: God damn it, you already tipped a hand. He <laughs> <laughs> just won a championship. We all know the goddamn grass is greener.
1: Yeah. It wasn't <laughs> when, when he first was traded and was moving around. Oh, remember, yeah, that was brutal, man. I felt bad. Dallas to New Orleans to Chicago. But playoff Rondo lived <laughs> through it all, with the exception of that, that eight-second violation for Dallas. When he... Got oh the the, the
0: the quote unquote back injury?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was that was that was, so it, it was a long winding road to get to where he is now. But yeah, it's it's greener in, in one sense. But I, I think he yeah, no. Do you think he would have like re-signed with Boston if we hadn't traded him? You think he would have stayed in Celtic forever?
0: Um, probably would have if we would have let him. I don't think he would have been good uh where his head was at the time with the like he would have just been screaming at a bunch of rookies all the goddamn time. It would just, he would have hated it. They would have hated it. Everyone would have hated it. Like, I'm not saying Rajan Rondo is a good free agent target, but like now, we need someone screaming at the rookies we do have still on the roster that needs some yeah. discipline and needs some focus and need to continue attacking. So he would actually be, you know, to circle back, a pretty solid uh, backup point guard. He's probably going to stay in Los Angeles. I mean, why would you not? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, he has a role. He knows what it is. They they love him. And he's got a title with them and can probably win another next year if, well, we won't go into that. In the meantime, you can find the pod on Wooshka, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Himalayan, and most podcatcher apps that even still exist. Who knows? But if it does, <laughs> you use it. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, please rate us five stars. If you don't like something, why are you still listening, you weird, weird person? But we do take suggestions. So let us know with a comment on any Celtics lab podcast tweet.